You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Welcome to I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Hello, Ben. How are you? Uh, hello. Yes, I've um, recovered from uh, a slight illness that I that I had. Where, um, <laughs> a bit of that Borgvid-19, I think, is what it's what they're calling it. Is, is that what they're calling it? <laughs> yes. I like that that's what they're calling it. Um, I mean, it's fine. I've still got some... Sort of very minor mm-hmm. uh, residual symptoms from it. Um, yeah. Such as the invariable need to tell people resistance is futile. Um, and things things, <laughs> things like that. But, um, you mean when I, do you want a lozenge or something? Or Yeah, I, pro- I probably should. Yeah. Drink of water. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, by 19, they mean, they mean 2419, of course. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I don't know where that places us on the timeline, but... Um, <laughs> well, it's a wibbly wobbly timey wimey. I mean, it's all fine. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 1 Strange New Worlds. It's finally here. And. Not in the UK, it isn't. I can't talk about this because obviously legally I can't have watched this show. Uh, yeah, Ben's not seen it. But no. uh, as is tradition, as we've done in the past, I have mentally yeah. projected the episode to him. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Over subspace, yeah. uh, I think is how that works. And uh, yeah, so he, he has seen it, but in a d- absolutely legal manner. Ex- of course. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I got to say. This, I thought there was a chance that maybe I was overhyping this for myself because <laughs> the trailers looked fantastic. And look, this yeah. is based off of this is essentially a spin off of Discovery. In season two of Discovery, they introduced the Enterprise with Captain Pike and with uh, Una, number one, and Spock. Mm-hmm. And they were all great. To the point where, like, it wasn't just you and I who thought they were great. Like, everybody was saying they were great. Like, give these people a show. And then they listened and did. And (laughs) then they're like, you know what? Also, on top of that, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be an, it's going to be an episodic television show. Uh, It's not going to revolve around a season long story. Every episode is going to be more or less self-contained. And I'm like, this sounds, you know, too good to be true. Like, okay, let's, you know, let's see the trailer. And they show us the trailer and like, this looks really good. Okay. Well, who's, who's making it? And it's like the same people who are making all the other shows. And I'm like, okay, so maybe it'll be good ish, but not great. Mm-hmm. Turns out Ben, I feel like mm-hmm. this is what this, uh, creative staff needed uh now maybe it's a little too early to say because this is a 10 episode series run and we've only watched one episode 
And to be fair, the beginning of Star Trek Picards have been good. And the off the get-go of Star Trek Discoveries, they have been good too. But this felt like, I don't want to say great, because that's a big word to use in Star Trek when it comes to great episodes. But yeah. this thing was on the edge of Star Trek greatness. Like, this was a very, very good Star Trek episode. And, like, after this was done, I'm going out on a limb here and saying, at least of the new Star Trek that has been produced, Discovery seasons, Picard seasons, this feels like the best episode of any of those things. Yeah. Um... And holy shit, like, I'm very excited to start talking about this, so let's do it. Uh, in the 23rd century, Starfleet Admiral Robert April, who they also brought in, because why the fuck not, recalls <laughs> Captain Christopher Pike of the Starship USS Enterprise from shore leave after Pike's first officer, Una, uh, I guess her whole name is Una Chin Riley, number one. She goes yeah. missing during a first contact mission. Pike is reluctant to return to space and confides in his science officer, Spock, who has just become engaged to his betrothed to Pring, uh, that he saw a vision of his own death during their last mission on the USS Discovery. They travel to the planet Kylie 279, which is in a similar state to 21st century Earth on the brink of civil war. They've reversed engineered a weapon from Starship warp drives after witnessing the Discovery mission in nearby space. Pike and his crew rescue number one from captivity and break Starfleet's General Order 1 by interfering in the society to convince them to not use the weapon. They avoid repercussions because of the top-secret nature of the Discovery mission, but Starfleet doubles down on the rule by renaming it the Prime Directive. Pike recommits to his role and captains the Enterprise on a new <clears throat> five-year mission of exploration. Ben, what did you think of episode one? Uh, right, so I'm not going to gush for this reason. Mm -hmm. um, I think... I probably agree with your analysis of this being um well it was I mean it was a, by anyone's rating it was a it was a good episode a very good episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether it will stand the test of time because I think a lot of the reasons why this was so well received is that in and of itself it presented mm -hmm. um something we've not seen in a long long time episodic Star Trek with no or very little in the way of magic wands. Yep. Um with uh a, a so artfully crafted um, aesthetic to to sort of uh, take us from the the, the original series um, uh, Enterprise and in fact planets and everything else uh, and uniforms and everything uh, into you know one for the twenty first century for for HD television and so on. Um, so the the level of of skill and and care that's been put into this. Um, Frankly, they could have just been dicking about the whole episode, and it would have still been um, a very good episode in in that sense. So I'm slightly holding off the idea that this is this episode will stand out of itself as you know one of the, the sort of standout episodes of of Star Trek across the entire um, across the entire universe. So, yeah. um, however, all of that said, um, this 
this was as as strong as I'd hoped it would be. This was um, uh, a, a full cast ensemble performance. Mm-hmm. Um, they yes. didn't waste any time allowing us to get to meet some of the crew. Um, they took on board that we'd kind of vaguely know a bit about some of them, but that was that was fine. It allowed them to spend a bit more time on some other people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They. Uh, for for the nerds, they they really did dig deep into um, old canon and little in jokes and things like that. I mean, yeah. m- much in the way that um, uh, Lower Decks, you know, was able to sort of quite blatantly, you know, fourth wall some of these things. Um, this episode, you wouldn't have noticed necessarily the things that were in there unless you happened to know the thing it's referencing sure i mean robert april's probably quite a, a good example pretty deep um, cut <laughs> yes. yeah i mean that's that's pretty pretty intensely so um i mean and there are loads of things like like that in this um mm-hmm. i mean uh um, erica ortegas um, yeah her surname is the name of a navigator uh, who was in the original pitch of Star Trek? That's in the original. That series. I did not um, know. That's crazy. Yeah. So when I say there are some deep cuts, oh mm. boy, there's some deep cuts in here. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a Noonien Singh on here, yeah, absolutely. Which yeah. clearly her uh, her family history, like mm. you know, why else would that be in in her? You know, why else would that be the character's name unless they wanted you to think about that right um, absolutely and she's sort of like number one's replacement she's the chief of security um who at that time was you know number one on aboard a starship mm-hmm. um and she's sort of the replacement for at least for this mission but um yeah. you know we get to spend a little bit of time with almost everybody they introduce an uhura mm-hmm. they do a little bit of bait and switch uh because yes. they uh, they talk about a Lieutenant Kirk, and there has been an announcement that they have a, a James T. Kirk who is going to be on the show, but I think for season two. Yes. Um, they talk about a Lieutenant Kirk, and it's actually his, I think it's his brother, right? Yeah, it's his brother, yeah. Yeah, uh, instead, so that's a bit of a that's a bit of a switch, but also uh, a nice little thing that they added because his brother only kind of gets, you know, that one mention in that one very weird episode uh, where they fight like plastic uh, lasagna creatures or whatever, um, you know, and his, and his brother dies. And then of course uh, the very famous moment from Star Trek five uh, <laughs> where uh, Kirk mentions that he once had a brother and he's happy to get him back. And it's like, Oh, you're talking about Spock, not your actual brother who died, yeah. who you've just clearly yeah. forgotten about because the writers of this movie clearly <laughs> forgot about as well. Um, it's nice. It's nice that they're gonna do at least a little something clearly with him in the uh, in the yeah. previews. He appears in uh, in bits and pieces of it, but we got to actually spend a little bit of time with them, and they got to show a little bit of personality. Doctor Umbanga, I thought was. Uh, we got to see some from him and Nurse Chapel. We got a little Even bit from Chief her. Kyle. I mean, yeah, everybody you know, got bits, which was another deep cut as well. Another Chief deep Kyle cut. Yeah, is a throwaway line in a, in I think maybe one or two episodes of the original series. Yeah, yeah. There's a backup transporter officer. Um, yes, Chief Kyle. We now have Chief Kyle. Yeah. Uh, one thing that is obviously notable is that our chief engineer uh, is not 
presently uh, around, as far as we know. No, so, um, he will appear. Have yet to. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think that may have been simply to avoid overburdening us with additional characters in episode yes. one, or it yes. may have been for a plot reason later. But mm-hmm. um, although um, there is a sort of an issue, which is that Pike um, in the books, I think, uh, sort of burns through chief engineers at quite a rate <laughs> it feels a lot um, like the first season of tng <laughs> yeah exactly there's a um, chief engineer of the week sort of thing absolutely um, uh, so you know we, we there's there's all sorts of sort of bits set yeah. up um i think we we're aware that the chief engineer is um uh, is I think has now board, uh, boarded the ship. Actually, I think right at the end you got um, mm-hmm. Hammer. I want to say Hammer. Yeah, he's um, an he's an Anar or Enar, um, which we yeah. saw in the uh, the Enterprise episodes. They're like uh, um, yeah. they're like Andorians, but they're instead of blue, they're skin. They're like albino kind of uh, Andorians. Right. Yeah, they're all white instead of blue. Um, we also we also know when it is incidentally because it's quite important to sort of see where this fits in. I mean, we know broadly in the timeline. But yeah. We now know it's been three months since um, Discovery. Yes. Uh, disappeared. Yes. And in that three months, we've got a shuttlecraft named in the honor of Stamets. Incidentally, I don't know if you spotted. I that. didn't spot that. Oh my god, that's great. Yeah, the shuttlecraft's called the Stamets. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Which is, which is cute. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, there there are so many things. It's yes. Just, I, 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 there's literally. I mean, I scribbled down. Wasn't a that a ship called the Archer? It. Was that not the ship that Uno yeah, was there, on? There was the USS Archer. USS Archer. Archer yeah, um, that was difficult to say. Uh, which, of course, we've also we know there's an Archer space dock as well, isn't there? Yes. Um, and in fact, in Nemesis, there is a USS Archer. They brought in um, Tapring for this, which I don't know how they're going to yeah. end. I mean, the last time we saw Tapring was in uh, a mock time and. I'd, well, we have an episode coming up, don't we, called Sp- Spock Amok. Spock Amok, which, oh my God, that's got to be... Uh, I'm really hoping it's this show's Trouble with Tribbles with that episode title, but um, <laughs> things need to go bad between them because in this episode, they are definitely not going bad. Although this sparked some debate, Ben, I saw mm. amongst some Trek fans because uh, maybe Spock or T'Pring were going through Ponfar during this, but mm-hmm. they were very not Vulcany about their flirtiness and their uh, wanting to go to bed with one another. And this kind of sprung this debate of like, you know, how rigid are the sexual lives of Vulcans? Like, is it only Ponfar or do they have like mm-hmm. casual in between Ponfar sex? And I literally spent way too much time scrolling through Twitter threads, reading people's thoughts about this, because people are like, look, man, there are Vulcans who are married to humans. Like, there's no way that human she, ladies went seven years. And she's like kind of funky, isn't she? And she's definitely not like she's not like a T'Pol or like no, a and they were um, misbehaving in Savic. Yeah. Restaurant, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Their behavior was shocking and appalling. Yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the internet's absolutely snowed under with <laughs> the things they picked out. My favorite one, and I, I saw it on screen and thought, no, fuck this, I'm not going to pause this and check this. Yeah. Um, but it was obviously that when we get the map, um, mm-hmm. Spock's map, well, yeah. yeah, Spock gets to do his funny thing, which do uh, you remember in The Cage is the first time you yes. see him controlling a computer. Yeah, they have the hand, the hand wavy controls. 
Yeah. Um, Min- the Minority Report back. stuff that they called way before Minority Report, yes. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the list of planets on, on that map mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a well-known list, let's put it that way. I didn't um, I didn't think to look. Well, I mean, when I saw it, I'm like, I bet if I pause that, <laughs> but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yes, they, they were all there, and they covered every... Um, Every f- franchise of really? Star Trek on okay. that map, with one exception. Really? Okay. What was the Vo- exception? Voyager. Ah, well, you there know, Delta no, there's no planet on there that is um, referenced exclusively or primarily in Voyager. Yeah. Which I know, yes, of course, Delta Quadrant, but still. Um, although, of course, the, we do see um, uh, things like Cardassia Prime appearing on there and things like That's that. That's interesting. And, and yeah, exactly. So. There's there's a lot going on and um, mm. Wolf three five nine as well. You think they could have mentioned uh, the so, Badlands or something, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if you pause, if you do pause it, I mean, I've seen stills here. The the map looks like they've effectively borrowed the one from Star Trek Online, which seems to now be effectively the canon map for, um, <laughs> for Star Trek. I know it's, yes. it's sort of the go to, yeah, yeah, um, for most of them, which makes sense. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's well designed and it's done for that purpose, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the the other thing is, um, and this this is what I suspect, with all modern TV shows, uh, listener, people always have to have some pungent opinion about a casting choice, don't they? Um, and you know, we've seen it with Discovery endlessly. Yes. Um, I am waiting for people to have a pop at the. Um, I imagine some people will refer to her as sassy um, Nurse Chapel. Ah, yes. Um, because now I'll say this actually from a from a is it jarring point of view her character is slightly jarring against the rest of the the mood of the of the yeah, show for me I would say to a However, degree that is true yeah it's only very limited yeah um and they want they clearly want to make Nurse Chapel quite the badass mm-hmm. and I notice they've toned down slightly number one's badassness um compared to yes. when we saw her in Discovery so like there's you know, there's obviously a bit of rebalancing going on. Mm-hmm. I perhaps, I mean, I, I, the Nurse Chapel thing is is, you know, potentially gold, but it just needs to be perhaps slightly toned down. When you consider, I suppose it, their argument would be that she's not um, part of Star Trek, uh, Starfleet yet. I mean, we know right. she is by, uh, or we think we, she is probably by um, the original series, but mm-hmm. um, uh, we. We know she's a civilian, therefore she perhaps doesn't have the sort of military discipline, I suppose, of the other people on board. That says, that said, rather, she behaves like someone who has had some Starfleet training. Yeah. When she's dealing with um, the, uh, the the need to sedate the the the, the three abductees, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, so this is all about the show, really, in general. In terms of the episode itself, just very, very briefly. I mean, this it. It was comfortable, it was simple, it was a straightforward plot. They didn't set out to do anything massively ambitious. They set out to show you that you can do a one-episode, self-contained, old-style Star Trek plot, which has no great significance in any great scheme of things. Um, you know, it's a story. It's It almost felt like the A plot, i.e. the story about the planet, was kind of the B plot in this episode, because to the a degree, plot yeah. really was, come and have a look around... Um, you know the, the enterprise mm-hmm. so it's weird for the episodic plot to be the b plot in that way kind of um, yeah but i was i was perfectly happy with it um we do have various sort of continuity issues which are as yet unexplained and i'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll we'll get a few mm-hmm. um 
it's nice that they're, although obviously it's classified and they're not allowed to get into stuff about Discovery, <clears> it's <throat> nice to know that they're not completely retconning the hell out of that. Right. Um, it's happened. It's been referenced amongst those who know, who know. Yeah. Um, they do have to make and, it very clear that it's classified a lot. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, but they're also not tiptoeing around the fact that, like, people might ask questions about what happened mm-hmm. out there. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for him, for Pike, when people are asking him, it's really more like whenever he looks in any yeah. any sort of reflective surface, sometimes he sees that, like, future version of himself. Mm-hmm. And he can't talk about that without talking about the discovery stuff, which, of course, he can't um, talk about. I, I want them not to overdo that. Um, yeah, you can't do it, like, every... I, like, I don't think I want to see this every single episode. I think this was no, a same. good establishing thing, that this is mm-hmm. haunting him. And mm-hmm. he was very reluctant, because he realizes, like... If I don't go back out there, this won't happen to me. But mm-hmm. also, the part of the story here is the end. Like you've got this civilization that the whole so the whole story we sort of glossed over the planet story, which is yeah. they the whole reason the Archer goes there in the first place is they are a science vessel. They've got a very small crew, and they're there to instigate first contact with the species because they detected a warp signature. Which is what you do when a when a planet because uh, the Vulcans sh- invented first contact. The Vulcans invented first contact, which they are they never let people forget about. Apparently, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, the the whole procedure is once a society has showed you that they are capable of traveling the stars at that sort of speed it's time to come and introduce yourself. So you're not like blown away by, you know, there's thousands of species out there and there's a whole, sh- there's a lot of shit happening out here. We don't want you to get freaked out by it. Um, you know, there's a whole procedure for it, but uh, the reason they developed this was because this planet was in relatively, uh, you know, like eyesight distance. I, I say this uh, cosmically speaking of everything that happened with discovery so much so that this planet was able to take the take the things that they were able to see with their you know their telescopes or you know whatever uh, satellites whatever imagery and footage they were able to acquire they were able to re- sort of reverse engineer and develop um, warp technology but in the form of a weapon and warp technology tends to operate off of antimatter which means they basically developed an antimatter bomb, which would, in fact, if you want to go look up that sort of thing, would be very devastating if such a thing actually existed. It would be very bad. Um, And they placed this whole thing on this planet in the, like, they weren't going to space, but they're at war with one another. They are a a planet divided by ideas and philosophies that people are getting, getting stricter and stricter, like uh, they're glued to them and they will not budge and they're moving further and further to their furthest edges. I hope that sounds like a place you might know, listener, because that is the whole point of Star Trek uh, is to sort of take the world that you're living in now and talk about how we can do better than what we're doing right now. And Pike's whole thing, doubting whether or not he wants to do that, you know, He's not supposed to interfere, but he's like, we've already interfered. We've already messed mm. this place up. We've already screwed it up. 
And the only thing we can do is try to undo the damage that we did. And he does this utterly fantastic, like some would call it a Kirk speech, but there's been some pretty rough Kirk speeches. It was, you know, it was a borderline Picard speech uh, yep. about, uh, you know, how we can do better. He showed them Earth, right? And boy, they, if people were complaining, Ben, about how woke Trek is now, they're going to get really mad when they see this episode and they see Pike showing them footage of the January 6th insurrection attempt thing. Lovely. Holy shit. I'm like, they went there. Okay. Good. Um, but not in a way, not in a way to be like, these people are wrong and it's wrong to vote for a Republican. They didn't do that. It, it was showing it in a historical context yeah, of like, more, look, we how, were, look how quickly things can turn to shit after one thing leads to another. Yeah. Right, right, right. This, we came from a very divided place. And then they showed, you know, of course, you know, CGI footage of a thing that hasn't happened yet and hopefully never happens, but the fabled world war three, like the, you know, judgment day, if you're a Terminator fan, like mm. the, the nukes going off everywhere, uh, places and cities being destroyed and talks about like, this is what we went through. Um, we don't want other people to do what we did to ourselves. Like we're okay now, but we almost weren't. And you, you can't do that to yourselves. And like, I didn't do this, Ben, I restrained myself, but this is the sort of shit that makes me want to get out of my chair and be like, fuck yes. Like this is, this is what I love most about Star Trek. Um, it's not even, um, you know, it's not even the pointing to the world that we're living in right now. It's the, we can do better than what we're doing. Like. Star Trek is above all else aspirational. Yes, yes. And I like and and look, um it's not even a disco thing cuz that show has been bleak at times. Mm. And oftentimes it's world ending or, you know, galaxy ending threats, that sort of thing. And I'm saying it's not a disco thing because I'm also going to add in here that my favorite show is still Deep Space 9, which of that era of Trek, of any era of Trek, is pretty close to being the bleakest. Um, But uh, it's not like they didn't lose that stuff in there. They were uh, a victim of their circumstances. They were the way they were because of the place that they were. But um, it's, so it's not that... I hate bleakness in Star Trek. Like it can work if done in the right way with the right, you know, cast of characters and the right place and time and the right story. Like that stuff works. Like it, it would be silly to pretend that the whole universe is sun, you know, sunshine and flowers. But the idea is that earth has, for the most part, it, like nothing is perfect, but earth has fixed its biggest problems. And, that's the thing that I love so much about Star Trek is the hope that uh, we have the ability within ourselves to do that. If we truly, really want to do it, we can do it. Um, and that's the thing I've loved most about. It's like the thing that's inspired me most about Star Trek. It's the thing that when shit goes really bad in the world, uh, you know, it's a fairy tale to think about Star Trek, but I still have that hope in my brain because the thing that isn't a fairy tale is the potential. The potential remains. We could still do that if we wanted to. Getting there, that's a whole other story. But if we wanted to, we could make it happen. 
And like, that's to me, that's the magic of Trek. That's the thing that I love most about it. So even though it did kind of exist as sort of like, you know, at best on par with everything else in the episode, it wasn't exactly the AA story. It was maybe like a, you know, one A to like, you know, one B with the rest of everything that was happening in this episode. Acting is sort of an introduction to everything. But still, I feel like they nailed that. And it works great with Pike, who yeah. you could tell after that, you know, he's like, I am scared of what's going to happen to me. But damn, do I love this? I love doing this. Yeah. And I a special nod of the head in the direction of Anson mm-hmm. Mount, who was previously <sighs> excellent in this role yeah. and continues in this episode to be absolutely yeah. fucking superb in this Yeah, role. everybody is pretty darn good in this. Uh mm. As well, uh, Ethan Peck continues to be great as Spock. Yes, in uh, fact, I thought he's slightly nuanced his performance a bit now. Yes, yes. He's less playing, he's less like someone sort of cosplaying Spock, which mm-hmm. came across occasionally as before. He's really inhabiting that yeah. role now, and I can see the it's, path from this Spock to the original <laughs> theory yeah, Spock already. It's honestly crazy. I feel like. Uh, Spock is one of those characters where people are like, oh, you can't have anybody else playing Spock. But, you know, Zachary Quinto, I think, really made it his own in the JJ yes, films. Was excellent. Yeah. And here we go again with another one. It's like, oh, you can't have somebody that's not Leonard Nimoy or Zachary Quinto as Spock. And they mm-hmm. did it again. And Ethan Peck is really good in this. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of superlatives going around. I didn't give it a five. It sounds like I'm going to give it a five, but I didn't because I was refraining myself because I'm like, okay, dude, Mm -hmm. think, think, look and listen. There are nine episodes left. It's possible this could end like the other ones. Don't let yourself get fooled again. It could go downhill from here. But boy, did I love I love this more than I've loved any Trek I've seen in quite a while. And mm. I like a lot of the Trek we've gotten lately. Uh, it's there in podcast form for you to hear me talk about how much I like it. But this was a step above. So yeah. uh, anyway, final thoughts on episode one, Ben. And what would you give Strange New Worlds? I mean, I, I could bang on about it forever about various other things that we haven't even mentioned. The, you know, costume design. And oh my god, I, w- I wanted to mention. Okay, you know what? Fuck it. We've got a couple. Eh, we don't have a couple of minutes really. It's been going on for a while, but um, I did really want to make a note. I feel this is important as well. I thought mm-hmm. they did the Enterprise they go on to is a bit of a refit from the one that we saw in Discovery, and yeah. I think they did a really great job. Like. Yeah. Honestly, this feels like the Enterprise look that I wanted the JJ Enterprise to look like. Yeah. This like the melt because people were like, oh, like a fucking Apple store. Right. People were like, oh man, you can't you gotta futurize it. You can't do this like 60s future, uh, mm. this retro futurism look. Like it's not gonna look good. And I'm like, guys, no, I'm not saying make the props out of cardboard and light bulbs and shit like that. Like but you can take the aesthetic and modernize it with modern Boy, stage design. They married it. I thought yeah. they did a great job. And if of, you didn't notice it, listen, go and have a look at Spock's workstation. Yeah. Uh, the engineering area as mm. well. They somehow made it uh, future but also retro a lot, looking. A lot bigger than... <laughs> a lot bigger. Yeah, it did, appeared, yeah. it did borrow from the the Kelvin universe engineering, which was basically a gargantuan space. 
uh, which doesn't feel like it actually existed within the ship. Um, it feels like it existed within a, a TARDIS within the ship. Uh, that sort of felt like. Uh, Same but, universe, we know that now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, oh, man, I I really... Thank you for mentioning. I really did want to mention... And I thought the uniforms looked great as well. I, I, I like the uniforms from a distance. I don't like them close up because they've adopted the JJ-verse. Yeah, um, the little... The tiny insignia patterns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not here for that. But yeah. everything else about it, I loved, yeah. Yeah, somebody, somebody right-clicked on those shoulder pads and selected the, uh, the fill pattern wallpaper design mm. on that one. So, uh, and also I'm waiting to talk about slightly weird appearances. I'm, I'm waiting on this again, on the subject of nurse chapel for her nickname to start becoming, um, uh, Sabrina, the civilian nurse. <laughs> Cause if you've watched the recent Sabrina, the t- the, yeah, it's got kind of those vibes. Oh yeah. Just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> Yes. Uh, okay. uh, in terms of score, yeah, I probably should do that, shouldn't I? Um, I will back away from the fives. I will instead give this a four and a half because mm-hmm. I walked away from it delighted. Yes. Um, and actually, I don't think that's something that will change. Yeah. Um, I believe it's also broadly consistent with the the internet's view in terms of the usual scoring mm-hmm. places on the internet. It, it has been universally well received yeah. and I totally get why. Yeah. I I started out with this as a 5 and I'm like, okay, hold on. Let's let's rein let's rein it in. Let's do 4 and 3 quarters and I'm like, ah, that's that's too close to a 5 still. So, uh Ben, I'm also landing on a 4 and a half, but also uh to to steal a I I don't think this applies at all, but uh I like I said, I haven't been drinking any synthahol lately. It's all been actual alcohol. So I don't think this applies, but it's more of a legal term. But I'm giving this a four and a half uh with extreme prejudice. Uh, ben. <laughs> uh I couldn't give this a sterner four and a half. Uh this is a great episode. Uh so just everybody know in the back of my mind it's kind of a five, but uh for the sake of uh for the sake of a little bit of uh uh, conservative behavior on my part. I'm, I'm reeling it in a little bit and mm-hmm. giving it a, a strong as humanly possible four and a half. Uh, very, very excited to see the next episode, which is something I can't say uh, that has been a constant in this new iteration of Trek for me. Uh, the first few episodes of Picard, I was like that for season two, where I'm like, okay, I can't wait to see where this goes. And then it sort of uh, waned a little bit. Mm. Um, but this one has me right back in and I'm very excited to see, uh, what happens next. Uh, the, they did make a note to say that while the show will not be serialized, uh, it'll be episodic, but they noted that emotionally the show will be serialized. Like yeah. the things that happen to them in these episodes will affect them from episode to episode it won't be like a they won't hit the reset button next week um you know if something happened to them you know we will see this wear on their characters in some form or fashion there will be a character arcs throughout this show but there's not a direct story arc which is great i'm here for that, it that's perfect for me yeah mm-hmm. uh like that was 
I think that's one of my issues with the original series of Trek is it was episodic, but almost every episode was in its own way a bottle episode of, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't miss any character development in that show, really. Like, there's not a lot of it that happens. Uh, That sort of thing was just not a thing back then, really. So anyway. Uh, that is the podcast for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Of course, this is a listener-supported podcast. There are a couple of different ways uh, that you can help us out if you so choose. We have our Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store, Ben. Geeklymerch.com <laughs> Had his hand on the console. Oh, yes. Geeklymerch.com. That's why I'm an admiral. <laughs> Links are in the show notes for uh, this episode. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. And that way, if you hit the subscribe button, you can join us for next week's episode where we continue to talk Star Trek Strange New World Season 1, Episode 2, called Children of the Comet. 